How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice and Stephen Means talking recruiting and specifically camps. Plan for the Thursday pod is a rapid fire on recruiting. We'll take questions from our tech subscribers. You can subscribe at 614-350-3315 for a two-week free trial. You send a text to that number. You get back a link to sign up. It's a good time to do it because Steven's out there covering these camps. We're going to focus on the camps for now because we had, was it two camps last week or just one, Stephen? One last week, two this week. One last week, two this week. So we're recording this Tuesday evening. There was a camp on Monday. There was a camp on Tuesday. Next week, there are two more camp days. And then the week after that, there's one more camp day, six total camp days. Is there any real difference between those six camp days, Stephen? It's like there's a morning session, right, that's usually more for the linemen and an afternoon session for the skill guys. But is there any great difference in who's coming, what the goals are, maybe the, the, the level of player that is attending them? Or is it sort of just six different days and people can show up when it fits their schedule? Yeah, it's just six different days. They obviously, there is some coordination because you don't want too many good guys there at the same time. But then at the same time, you also don't want a day where it's just nothing. And so you can see the decisions on the assistant coaches face faces. So there is a balance to it. Um, but there always is one day that seems to just be the everybody's here today. This is amazing. There's so much information. We haven't necessarily had a day of that caliber yet. With three camps to go, so we'll see what ends up happening here. But so far, this Tuesday camp has been the best of the bunch. But yeah, it's it's pretty basic. Morning, all, all the line of scrimmage guys, afternoons, the, the skill guys. And if there are some higher profile guys, some sometimes they'll get one-on-one workouts with assistant coaches, but it pretty much runs the same. Okay, let's start with quarterbacks. Last time we had a camp pod, last week we started with quarterbacks. And, you know, quarterbacks are famous. It feels like there is something happening here. With the 2023 quarterbacks, you talked about it, I thought, in a very interesting, specific way last week when they had two quarterbacks in on the camp a week ago, both who were committed to other schools for 2023, but they both threw for Ryan Day and Corey Dennis, and then one of them, Austin Novosad, earned an offer. He's a Baylor commit. Jax Leatherwood, the Nevada commit, did not earn an offer. Here again on this Tuesday camp, you were texting out, Stephen, on Tuesday morning, there's another quarterback and another offer to another 2023 guy. Is that correct? Yes. Brock Glenn out of Tennessee, the number 365 player, the number 20 quarterback. He's got some Auburn juice. 
right now. Um, but that was before Ohio State get involved. So let's see if Auburn can hold on to that juice. He was supposed to camp on Tuesday. He was supposed to be a 2023 guy. He ended up not making that trip. Um, I think there is a – I don't want to, you know, dance for my supper <laughs> concept going on with this one. You kind of want to see if it's real before you show up and drive all the way from Tennessee to Columbus to maybe get an offer. As we kind of talked about last week, one of those guys ended up coming to Columbus and it was a maybe get an offer and the other guy got it and, you know, Jax Leatherwood didn't get it. So now Brocklin has it, which is a clear sign of, yes, we will take you. If you want to come here, come let us see you throw. So we'll see here over the next two weeks if he gets to any of these other camps. But there was a plan in place at first for Brock Glenn to come throw today. And as we can see, he was going to get an offer either way. But now him having the offer, he is now in the breadbasket of who's going to be Ohio State's 2023 quarterback. So he didn't come, but he got the offer on Tuesday anyway. Yep. That's a little bit of a chicken battle there, right? Like he stared him down yeah. and got the offer anyway. It's like, hey, why don't you come earn an offer? And he's like, hey, how about you give me an offer and maybe I'll come? And he won. Mm-hmm. Oh, good for him. So do you think so now we have a situation where we know two offers are out? They have they had eight other offers out to quarterbacks yeah, in 2023. Not- those guys are all committed. One one of them's a five star who's not committed. Mm-hmm. So none of those guys are coming here. Mm-hmm. This is sort of th- this round, this round of 2023 quarterback offers. Stephen, do you think it's whoever takes it gets it? That as they give them out, all right, we gave one to the Baylor commit. Now we extended one to the guy who's from Tennessee that Auburn is interested in. Glenn takes it. Novasad takes it. If nobody takes it, maybe there'll be another guy at another camp next week who gets another offer. Mm-hmm. Is it first one to grab it gets it? Yes, Ohio State approaches that with a lot of positions now. It's interesting right now because we're talking about quarterback. But it's almost part of the reason why they've stopped offering everybody under the sun and they've cut it down a little bit because it puts more value on your offer and everybody's a committable offer. And it puts you in a situation where we like this group and we have this number of spots for this group. Whichever number of this group commits first, that's who gets the spot. And that's exactly where we're at with this quarterback situation. And I think offering Brock Glenn without seeing him throw might be part of that might just be trying to speed it up how quickly somebody decides to take the, the you know, take the cake a little bit. Because if you've only got Austin Novus out here, well, Austin has no, you know, motivation to not take his time right Especially he's already if, committed he's already committed he's already committed he's already committed and he might also be leading on texas a to see how that shakes out yep. as well but it's all on his timing well if you just add brock glenn into the mix now well that's two guys so if you're having an a, a approach of whichever one of you takes it first gets it that means you not only have to think about it from your own standpoint you have to make sure the spot is there if you're going to keep thinking about it so let's see if another it's, it's a combination of we want to see guys throw first and offer, but then also if we just think we like a guy, we're going to offer maybe two, three, four guys and go whichever one of you four wants it, gets it. And they all have to think about that. So it's still this game of chicken with this 2023 quarterback position, except now it's not just with one guy, it's with three or four guys. It's interesting because they have wound up with some late quarterbacks in recent classes. Devin Brown, mm-hmm. who's a, a true freshman, late CJ Stroud, late Kyle McCord super early mm-hmm. Dylan Raiola 2024 quarterback already in the house super early 
probably, right, in an ideal world, Stephen, do they have somebody committed at that quarterback spot in 2023 before they get to the season? Ideally, like they'd like to get somebody committed this summer. Yeah, they would rather not play around with that. Because even with the CJ and Dylan, and then uh, not Dylan, Devin, that was like a matter of fact, we have to go do this. That wasn't the plan. It just worked out the best way. They would rather not be going into the season looking for a quarterback for a class that's getting ready to sign in six months. Yeah. Devin Brown, because of the Quinn Ewers situation. Yep. Uh, CJ Stroud, because of the Jack Miller injury. Now, all of a sudden, we want two quarterbacks in that class. Again, according to the plan, but also I do think, Stephen, the way Ryan Day has done it, if this is your five-star big-time dude at quarterback, you're not putting out multiple offers and saying mm-hmm. who gets it, whoever takes it first gets it. You're saying you're our guy. Kyle McCord, you're the guy. I pick you. Dylan Rayola, I pick you, right? But when you're at this level, they're not top 100 national players. They're not top 50 national players. They're in the two and 300s. They're already committed. They're kind of – it does make sense. It allows them to go after this quarterback in a way that's more like other positions because it's like, hey, we like mm-hmm. six defensive tackles. We'll take the first two. We like four offensive linemen. We'll take whichever tackle takes the offer. They, You can do that, and I don't want to – who knows what's going to happen. But in Doug parlance – this is kind of how you go about it for a guy you think is a backup quarterback at Ohio State or a plan B quarterback or nice terms, a developmental quarterback at Ohio State. You know what? You're not perfect right now. You're not ready to start at Ohio State in year two right now, but we think you have traits and we'll develop you. But we think there's a handful of guys that we can develop. Whereas if it's CJ Stroud or Devin Brown or Dylan Rayola, it's like, hey, man, Kyle McCord, you're, you're awesome. We think you might play quick. You're special. There's something about you. It is. You can be more like other positions when this 2023 quarterback isn't necessary. doesn't have to be a star. Yeah, there's a, there's a difference between recruiting a top 100 recruit and recruiting somebody in the 300, and this yep. is what it is. When it's a top 100 recruit, with quarterback, it's even more amplified. But regardless of the position – you're recruiting the kid and you got to keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting. When a guy's in the three fifties, this is our message to you. You can take it or leave it. Right. And, it's not you're not, die. Yep. Yeah. You like the, and it, when you're recruiting guys in the three fifties, the top tier programs hold all the cards while it's flipped with five star guys, which you saw with JT, how he took up to the last minute there. A guy in the three fifties can't do what JT did. Now we're seeing it here. A guy in the three fifties quarterbacks can't do what Dylan Raiola did, or what CJ Stroud was able to do late, or Devin Brown, where he can kind of take his time because he's blown up. No, you. This is your me- the the message is clear. You see Mac Jones' career at Alabama. That's what we want to do with you. You can come here or you cannot come here. But that message and that approach is not changing with you. I just want to make sure that I celebrate this enough because this is my dream (laughs) it's my dream for Ohio State to recruit a backup quarterback so I want to make sure I appreciate this I don't want to take it for granted I wasn't out at the camps this week I probably should have been because I should have just been bathing in the idea of like oh the backups they're offering a quarterback in the 350s I'm so happy (laughs) so uh you know again maybe this is rare because you're kind of you know you get Devin Brown late with the Quinn Ewers thing you get Dylan Rayola super early you kind of get you're in between a little bit on the 23 guys. Maybe it's rare or maybe not 
every other year, but maybe every three years, this is kind of how the quarterback recruiting will go. I, I, I don't know, but I don't, I certainly, I like it. I like it. Hey, Devin Brown, Kyle McCord, they're here. Awesome. Devin, Dylan Raiola is coming. Awesome. Let this guy be a developmental quarterback. See how it goes. I don't know if I like it yet. Um, and it's, no, I, 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 I mean, we've been on the side of they need to have a backup quarterback so your room doesn't fall apart, but there is a specific path that has to happen for Ohio state because of how they've recruited this. Devin Brown cannot beat out Kyle McCord for this job. They're going to have to live in a world where Dylan Raiola might be the next Ohio state quarterback who starts for more than one year, mm. or this is not going to work because if Devin Brown beats Kyle McCord, this is going to be the 2019 room all over again, where it's your starter is awesome and everything else behind him makes you ask Ryan Day every single week about whether or not his about his quarterback's health situation. Yeah, and you know, like you're everybody's you're one injury away. He wants yeah. four. He wants four scholarship guys in the room, and they're kind of they can be a bit of a struggle to get that. They're going to mm-hmm. be at three again this year. There's always you know a transfer portal possibility at quarterback, but that's not what they've done. That's not what mm-hmm. they're doing right now. It is interesting that. You know, they just never were in on Arch Manning. Arch Manning's the big guy in 2023. Yeah. He's he's probably down, I guess, to Texas or Georgia, but Alabama was in on that, and Alabama took a different guy. Like, mm-hmm. they just were never in on that, and then they got Rayola so early, and the Quinn Ewers thing was kind of so weird and hovering over things a little bit. They just sort of had to get the room straight as it was that you understand why this 2023 quarterback situation is a little bit in between. But I do think it's an opportunity – to test out my theory. And it's not my theory. It's like, see how this goes. And maybe you get a guy who is an awesome number two quarterback who after three years, two or three years in the program goes on and starts somewhere else like Joe Burrow, or after two or three years in the program is ready to be a starter here, like Mac Jones, or kind of just doesn't work, you know, but, but they, you know, Jack Miller and Quinn Ewers left quickly too. So, I mean, like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's no guarantee with with bigger recruits anyway. So I'm just I, anybody who sort of is was on my side. And, you know, you were Island. Oh, boy, did we lose. That was a real estate boondoggle. So we lost our shirt <laughs> on you Island. But but uh, developmental quarterback uh, condos is it's down the street. It's not beachfront property like you Island was. It's, it's safe. It's safe. It's, safe. It's, it's a little cheaper. It's not great. It's a fixer upper frankly, but developmental quarterback condos, it's an opportunity, right? There's a fixer up for a little bit. If you guys want some leasing advice, uh, information, be a tech subscriber and we'll get you set up with the condo uh, where the developmental quarterbacks will be. Okay. Wanted to start off with that. Let's, when we come back on Buckeye talk, we'll talk about some of the familiar commits that Steven saw on Tuesday at the camp next after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. 
but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Doug Lemarice and Stephen Means. Stephen, you saw the future of the Ohio State offensive line on Tuesday. Luke yeah. Montgomery, Josh Padilla, Austin Saraveld, right? All there, mm-hmm. all Ohio guys. Justin Fry getting work done early mm-hmm. in this class. Now they're still trying to get work done late uh, on a tackle somewhere. But those three guys, it's, it's going to be hard not to think of them as a trio. Maybe they want to be thought of as a trio. I think you even texted a photo to our mm-hmm. subscribers of the three of them. Are they like, you know, three, the three amigos, you know, walking to, Hey, let's go over here, guys. We're, and, and what did you think getting your eyeballs on them at camp? Yes, they are the three amigos. They've got two, three distinct personalities though. Luke Montgomery is clearly the most outgoing of the three of them. And then Josh is next. And then there's a significant gap. And I mean, significant gap with Austin. He would rather not talk to anybody and just play mm. football which is why he is so happy his recruitment is over because he doesn't have to talk to <laughs> anybody anymore. It's his favorite time of the year. I've never seen a kid smile as wide as he was smiling today, knowing I don't have to do any of these interviews. I can just come here, get my work, and go home. Yeah, I, Josh Padilla, I like him a lot. I, I really do like him. He's a mauler. Um, uh, Landis threw out the name Jacoby Bourne. Or Zach mm. Bourne, like one of the Bourne brothers today Jacoby when we were just, Bo- or even Justin Bourne. Yeah, just Maybe. you know, a Bourne. Yeah, so, well, yeah. So Jacoby <laughs> was sort of the undersized center. Zach was the yeah. fullback. Justin Bourne was the transfer from Michigan who ate people alive for mm-hmm. a while as a, as an All Big Ten guard. Um, but yeah, they being a Bourne, that's a pretty good thing. It is. Yeah, he is a mauler in the run game. I think people are really going to like him. He can play center or guard. Austin Cerevel can play center or guard. But it's interesting. They have two different body types. Cerevel's over 300 pounds, and but he needs to, like, bulk it. It's just he's a big kid, but he's not necessarily physically strong yet. I think that part will come once he gets into a high school weight program. While with Joshua, it's just going to be putting on the weight, putting on the weight, putting on the weight, putting on the weight. I think year three will be interesting to see if he ends up taking over a center or a guard spot. And then obviously Luke Montgomery, they're going to start him out at tackle because he is undersized. He's 6'5", 280 right now. He says he's put on about 20 pounds. He looks like a bodybuilder right now. He's got the tan going. I told him he looked like he could go do the Arnold right now. And he was like, yeah, that was the goal. The goal <laughs> was to get buff and get tan. And I look good. And I was like, all right, yep. You do it, Luke. Do, you, do your thing. Same. Um, but Same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was my goal, too. It didn't work out as well for me, though, because I'm not a 17-year-old top 100 recruit. But He's starting to bulk up. He's not as tall or as long as you want to tackle to be. And unlike with Donovan Jackson, where it's like he's got the long wingspan to make up for it, he doesn't. But he's very quick, which I think they're trying to tap into. It's like, yeah, you don't have the physical attributes, but at the college level, that quickness makes up for that, especially in the Big Ten. Um, So they're going to try him out there. But they also had him doing some guard work today. Um, which I think long-term, that's his future. And I think there's a situation here where Dylan Rayola's first year as a starting quarterback, 2025, that Joshua Padilla, Austin Saraveld, and Luke Montgomery are his interior offensive linemen. And I think that can be a pretty quality look. Luke Montgomery, number 42 overall recruit. 
in the 2023 class, the, the top ranked guy in Ohio State's class at the moment. Josh Padilla, number 177. Austin Saraveld, number 233. Again, these are the three best offensive linemen in the state of Ohio by the 247 sports rankings. Saraveld's the fifth guy in Ohio. Padilla is the fourth overall guy in Ohio. And Montgomery is the number one recruit in the state of Ohio. Were there any other offensive linemen at the Tuesday camp that they sort of like told those go those three to go hang out with, or were there not a ton of other 23 potential guys who might get offers that were hanging out at the camps these two days? There's one that potentially might get an offer later down the road. I wouldn't necessarily say they told him to go hang out with him, but he was hanging around and that's Jordan Hall. Who's camped the last two days. Um, the De- Dewan Jones is the pitch. This is a kid who grew up playing high school basketball, and I know his head coach uh, um, pretty well. Um, we grew up together, and so we were talking yesterday, uh, Monday. You're as about old it. as a coach now. You're as old as a coach. I mean, the coach is 29. So, my God, yeah, <laughs> yeah means you're really old because you've been. I'm as, as old. As a I'm coach. a grand. I'm as old as a grand coach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm the grand coach of the beat. So, wow. So you. So, so he's a he's a. He loves His ball. Ba- he loves basketball. Love, loves, loves, loves basketball. He actually just started playing football last year. And the reason he started playing is because his coach went, you should go play football. And he was like, no, nah, I don't really like playing football. He's like, no, I'm not suggesting it. I'm telling you, you're going to go play football because he's 6'8", 340, which would have been awesome in the Big Ten in 2004. That's not awesome in any basketball world anymore because you can't right. keep up with these point guards out here. But you might be able to tap into something as an offensive tackle. Look at what Dewan Jones is doing right now as another guy who loved basketball and had to find out whether he liked football or not. And now he might be a first rounder a year from now. And so we're seeing if Jordan Hall can maybe tap into some of that. Um, so very raw. Uh, he's camped a lot. He camped on Monday and he camped on Tuesday and they're going to go over film. He, he's probably going to camp again a couple of more times. And uh, from what I was told, Justin Fry is going to let him know where he stands at the end of June, whether this is going to end up going somewhere down the line or not. But I do feel like at this point, he is an insurance policy. Uh, and I'm preparing you for it right now. If they don't get the Ola Salinans or the Samson, Oklahoma, you know, the guys that they want, and then come signing day, they come around with Jordan Hall. It's like, I'm telling you right now, they're going to throw the name Juwan Jones out there. I like guys like this. As we've covered, I'd rather have them go for a diamond in the rough who's low ranked, yeah. but has some interesting upside. Dewan Jones profiles as a new, we can't just, I mean, maybe we can, maybe we should just like come up with 25 different styles of recruit and say, Oh, Stephen, what is we he? It's like, he's a, Oh, he's a Dylan Rayolo. He's a Marshawn Lattimore. Oh, he's yeah. a he's a Trayvon Henderson. Oh, this guy's a Dewan Jones. Because if we tell you, oh, he's a Dewan Jones, you know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. And I think they should be looking for Dewan Joneses, but they shouldn't be looking for Dewan Jones like as their number one tackle in the class. So it's hey, if this is kind of a a flyer, take a shot. We think it has a chance to hit, and we're gonna take two tackles in this class, and now they're going to do away with the 25 man limit and you know, all the transfer stuff that happens. Maybe you go Mm -hmm. a little bigger with the class, throw them in there, get Jordan hall in there. But if it's, if if they're going to sell it as like, as you said, well, we missed on this guy, we missed on this guy, but this guy's Dewan Jones. Like, okay, well, but where is Taylor Decker? Where is Paris Johnson? Mm -hmm. Where is like 
the sure thing top 100 recruit tackle. Because if Montgomery's a guard long-term, they don't have that right now in this class. And we'll get more into that. I, we already have a question about that. We'll take more questions from the texters. That is, I think, a, on people's minds. But those guys haven't yet come through. They have some visits scheduled, but those guys aren't showing up at camp yet. Ohio State needs the Dewan Joneses and Jordan Halls of the world in their classes every now and then. But they also need some five-star five-star tackles too so it's okay to have both it's okay to have both so both is good instead of not quite as exciting so who are some of the other guys who are committed that were out there at in these two camps on monday and tuesday i I know you where was there was it hartford was that one of the guys or lockwood no 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 no. yeah ty lockwood um i'll say this first will smith is going to be at every camp um, he didn't actually participate today because he was like cramping up on Monday. But just expect Will Smith, the, the defensive lineman, um, out of double coffin to be at every single camp. So this doesn't have to be news every single time we do one of these. Ty Lockwood, this is the first of two times he'll be here this month. He'll he's taking his official visit on June 24th, but he came up here just to work with Kevin Wilson for the first time. Number 130 player, the number eight tight end. He is a big person. And I've seen him in person a couple other times because he's been here, but it's different when you're seeing somebody on a football field doing football stuff in shorts and a t-shirt than in like jeans and a coat. He is a large human being. He looks like the type of tight end where in 2024, I see no reason why he won't be one of the two tight ends on the field. Mm. Based off the athleticism I saw today, he's a violent blocker. He wants to do it. Um, I think there's a Jeremy Ruckert aspect to him without the top 100 part. So we're not going to be spending every single year going, is this the year they finally throw the tight ends, the ball, but there is some of that upside there. I think long-term Bennett Christian being the Luke Farrell and Ty Lockwood being the Jeremy Ruckert in that inline and wide tight end pairing. I could see that world existing because I really like Ty Lockwood and what he brings to the table Um, physically looks the part can catch the ball enough and can do enough with it. I, he's kind of perfect for this offense. He committed last August. He was the first guy in the class of 2023. He's the only guy in the class who's not from Ohio or Florida. He's from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He's the number 130 overall player, the number eight tight end. Why is he here? Why, why is he so fired up <laughs> to be a Buckeye? He's a guy from Tennessee at tight end who's a borderline top 100 prospect, and he, he was yeah. the first guy in. What's up with him? Yeah, Kevin Wilson's pretty good at this thing, man. Uh, when he gets guys, he, he locks in relationships pretty early. And there was a point last year, maybe like a week or two before he committed, where he was like, I want to see Jeremy Ruckert, how they use him before I commit. And then he committed like two weeks later. That's because he's been planning to do it for a month. He and Kevin Wilson built a very strong relationship along with his parents. And as I said before, you got to, when Ohio State recruits tight ends, you got to find, if you're going to recruit top 200 recruits who are tight ends, you got to find guys with this type of mindset who don't necessarily care that much about getting the ball. They'd rather just be violent dudes who go around looking to knock people's heads off and can also be freak athletes with the ball whenever you want to throw it to them. And that's what Jeremy Ruckert ended up being, even if he could have gone to Iowa and got the ball 100 times in his career. He instead developed into a well-rounded tight end who's probably going to have a high-quality career and end up being a better NFL player than he ever was a college player from a production standpoint. But I think that's what they tapped into with Ty Lockwood is that same mindset of, yeah, I'm freaky with the ball, 
but I also like to hit people. So I'm going to go somewhere where I can develop that side and then just throw everybody off guard when I get to the league. So do you think that they did have a plan last offseason to throw the ball to Rucker a bunch and then Lockwood committed in August and Kevin Wilson <laughs> came in and was like, all right, we don't have to throw it to Ruckert. We already got this guy. It was like, ah, that guy said he was going to wait and see how they used Rucker. Then I got him to commit now. So <laughs> Operation Rucker, Operation Use the Tight End is off. We've so Jeremy, Jeremy Rucker can blame Ty Lockwood for why he didn't get targets last year. Yeah, that's the worst. The, the Ohio State tight ends need to look when the tight end recruits commit. And if yeah. they commit before the season, the tight ends are dead. And if they commit, if they're not committed <laughs> and we're into the season, it's There's like, oh, man. I didn't think Cade Stover would get eight targets against Notre Dame, but he did because <laughs> they're trying to impress somebody. Um, okay. Anybody else in the class, anybody else that there's, there's a, a guy who earned an offer that we'll finish with anybody else that sort of wasn't breaking news, Steven, but what that was of interest that you had your eyeballs on or did we kind of cover everybody. No, that's everybody. I think there would probably be a couple more people in the class who make their way up here. I I would be shocked if Malik Harford doesn't come, at least come to a camp, even if he doesn't necessarily participate. And then obviously some of those Florida guys, when they come up for official business, will probably be walking around at some point. Okay. All right. We'll take our last break on Buckeye Talk. When we come back, just like at the camp last week, there was a young guy who earned an offer. That happened again this week. Next on Buckeye Talk. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. So last week, it was Tyler Atkinson, the eighth grader that you wrote about, Stephen, that came up here, defensive end, earned an offer. This time, another young guy, right? Already with offers from other places. But Brian Hartline made a decision after seeing him this week. Who was it? Chris Henry Jr. And if that name sounds familiar, it is the son of the late Chris Henry, who played for the Cincinnati Bengals. He passed in 2009. Chris is actually being raised by Adam Pacman Jones. It's actually pretty you know, heart. Well, it's a, it's an emotional He's story. He's being raised by Pac-Man Jones. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, that's yeah. tragic, but like what a, just like there were such good yeah. friends and teammates. Yep. Wow. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And Chris Henry Jr. is the spitting image of his father. It's scary how much they look like each other. It's he's yeah, it's, it's scary. Now from a football standpoint. Wow. 6'3", 170, and can move. Um, there's a little bit of a Marvin Harrison gene going on there where it's like that kid's going to put on some weight. He's going to be awesome. Uh, I, I like watching Heartline at these camps because he is so young and still kind of 
hip. I'm sorry if that's an old person word, but I'm, I'm going to use know, it there. You, you can be hip if you're old. You don't have to okay, be cool. young to be hip, just a point of information. You can tell when he's getting ready to offer a kid because his eyes light up. Um, he no longer cares about who is in his line. He's going to let that kid get 45 reps in a row. Um, <laughs> yeah, Hartline doesn't care. He's not here to say, spare anybody's feelings. I love Brian Hartline. He's my favorite assistant coach. Um, he created separation. Obviously, his hands will need to get better as he gets you know, older. This is, I mean, he's 14 years old, so there are just some things there that he just doesn't have yet because he's still a little kid. Um, and I say little, you know, tread lightly because he's six foot three already. But there's that kid's going to be a five-star wide receiver. And Brian Hartline pretty much fell in love with him to the point that um, when Chris came back out, you know, he, he took Chris inside to do all the photo shoots and all that stuff. And when Brian Hartline came back out, he said, well, I just offered a 14-year-old. Never done that one before. It's like, yeah, that makes sense after looking at him. But yeah, I, I, Chris Henry Jr. is a one to keep an eye on, especially since he's right here in Ohio State's backyard as – if he might be everything Marvin Harrison is is expected to be in this next season. So he just finished what year? Eighth grade or ninth grade? Yes, he eighth, eighth grade. He's headed to West Claremont High School in Cincinnati. Okay, so he's a Cincinnati kid. Yep. Just like Atkinson, he just finished eighth grade, just had his final middle school dance. Um, <laughs> had field day. They threw water balloons. Had a popsicle at the end, orange slices. <laughs> Just started do it using proactive. <laughs> they had a clown there making a balloon yeah. animals, <laughs> and then and then he came out and set Brian Hartline's hair on fire. Man, I, what's it like? You go last week was balloon animals. This week it's Brian Hartline. Um, and this kid, he already has some offers from other schools. Is that right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's got five now. The big Marshall and West Virginia had offered him recently. And then obviously Grambling State and, and UConn had offered as well. But Ohio State was the first of what I suspect over the next couple of weeks here is going to be a run Man, of some power graders. five schools. Eighth graders. Wow. Okay. Like I always say, again, like the thing that one of the things I remember from one of these camps is Donovan Peoples-Jones coming down from Michigan as a ninth grader and getting an offer from Ohio State from Urban Meyer. And that I guess everything's just accelerated when he got that offer. That was his first offer. Mm. And now Ohio state has two offers out to eighth graders. So this is the reality, but I guess if you're six, three, hi, yeah, yeah, but yeah, this one, which is, if this guy's going to be six, five, it can move like that. That's kind of scary. It's interesting. The two kids they've done it though. Too. It's not like when Quinn, you yours got it. It was a quarterback and it's like, all right, whatever. It's a wide receiver, so Ohio State's best recruiter right now in offense, and it's a defensive end. So it's Larry Johnson and Brian Hartline. So you almost kind of like, even if it is for sport, you take it seriously. Yeah, it feels like not a show offer. Like, I don't, that's yeah. not, Hartline and Johnson don't have to operate that way. Mm-mm. They have the goods. They don't have to try to be cool. Now, listen, if you want to get the attention of a kid you think is going to be a five-star, an early offer certainly helps. Or show mm. the love early on. Kids say that all the time. Now, there are schools all the time that give first offers, that give early offers, and then Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson come in yeah. and drop their offers late on top of them. And it's like, well, I appreciate Toledo showing me love, but <laughs> dear God, Alabama offered me. I don't care who offered me in eighth grade now. But I think when you get these offers again, they're they're not they're not trying to be cool. They they mm-hmm. mean it. So I think it's worth noting that this happened with these two kids. Those are the camps this week. The other thing that's happening, and again, we'll get into this more on the Thursday pod when we take questions. 
it's official visit season. So the official visits are mostly on the weekends. That's kind of, it's like, oh, we got the camps during the week. We got the official visits on the weekends, guys working in. There's just a lot going on. Like, did you, you know, the coaches are around, do people seem, is there like an energy, like are people fired yeah. up? Like what's, what's the mood like at these things? I think everybody has a lot of energy except for Ryan Day right now. Um, Cause he's doing a lot. I think we haven't actually seen him walking around these camps very often. I think I've seen more of RJ day over the past week and a half. And I've seen a Brian day and it's my job to cover his dad. Um, just cause you know, regular head coach stuff that you've got to deal with NIL meetings, mm -hmm. this meeting, that meeting, he's in and out the building all day, constantly on his phone and really only comes out if there's a quarterback that he's interested in that's on, that's on campus, which I mean, that's not that surprising, but we keep talking about when is he going to start delegating things to other people? I think we're a couple of years away from that happening from a game day situation, but I think from a day-to-day -day CEO mode, I think Ryan day is being pushed in that direction already just because of how much is changing in college football. He has to, he can't worry about, this 15 year old who is here because he signed up for a camp to get instructions from the Ohio state's head coach. He can't worry about that because he's got to worry about finding $13 million so he can put together a national championship team. So, Hey, Brian Hartline. Hey, Kevin Wilson. Hey, Corey Dennis, go earn your paychecks. Mm. I'll be in here on the phone all day. And he is, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch him operate right now. You don't I mean a lot of head coaches are closers in this stuff. That's yes. like Urban was like, we do this, we do this, we do this, and then when it's time, you go into the throne room mm -hmm. and there's the king, and it's like, oh my god, it's him. You know the whole Nick Saban with the button to open the door kind of story and close the door. It's like you go into the coach's office and it's like that's the special room because maybe you haven't seen a lot of that guy. You know, I think as you move along as a yep. head coach, you have to move more toward that direction, especially as you outlined right now with all the things that are going on. But I know, and then Ryan Day was out there. There were some videos of like, hey, Ryan Day was throwing some yeah. passes at camp, right? I mean, it's yeah. not, he's not abdicating that responsibility. He's not ignoring that, but his time is so valuable. Like six hours on the field for a camp day, like he can't afford to do that. He has it's, too many other things to go to do. It's a seeing him as a stamp now. Um, I agree. It's close. It's like opener and closer where it's like mm. he gets in early because it's kids. It, kids notice that when they have some level of relationship with the head coach early on, even if they know they're not going to talk to them all the time. And so you saw it today when they offered a kid, Winston Watkins, who I think is one of, be, one of the better receivers in the 2025 class, who's already committed to Texas A&M. You know, so the collective already, you know, breaking his way down. So um, he that kid is from where? He's from Florida, though. He's from Fort Myers, Florida, Florida and he goes IMG. I, we'll see if that Texas A&M commitment holds because there's plenty of big time programs who have not offered him yet. So we'll see here. Um, but but he, what earned I saw, it, he earned his offer. At he did. Camp. He earned his offer today. And the, the, watching it play out was interesting because it's like, Brian Hartline, the assistant is excited about a kid. You see it. Yada, 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 yada. They have a conversation. He's talking to his dad. Hey, somebody go get Ryan. I want him to see this kid. Mm. And then they're having like a 10 minute conversation in the middle of the field, where it's Ryan Day's, uh, the kid's father, uh, Winston Watkins, 
thing you're Winston Washington Jr. and it's it's Brian Hartline. I think there are pictures on the internet of it. And they have that conversation. And it's almost as if it's like, hey, Brian, I like this kid. Brian, I like this kid. Give me the stamp of approval to offer this kid. Mm. And that's what that whole conversation seemed to be because within like 15 minutes after that, I'm going up to Brian Hartline and going, that kid's going to get offered to any Disney. He's like, yep. And there it was. So it's like, that's almost Ryan Day's role at this camp right now is, yeah, there are guys he wants to see with his own eyes, which are typically the top 100 recruits and the quarterbacks. But outside of that, it's an assistant got excited about a kid. Come meet the head coach and let's see if he likes you too. And if so, you're probably going to get an offer today. And by the way, it's that says something about the assistant's role as well. Because guess what? Brian Hartline got a title bump. Brian mm-hmm. Hartline got a pay bump. And if you're going to do that, you have to give a responsibility bump. And it empowers Brian Hartline because Brian Hartline wants that power. Like, okay, go get Ryan. But basically, Brian Hartline's making the decision. Not that he wasn't before, right? But just the idea of like, mm-hmm. listen, Ryan Day trusts Brian Hartline. Brian Hartline can do all the, all the, lay all the groundwork. And then Ryan Day can come in at the end. Ryan Day doesn't have to stand there with Brian Hartline for two yep. hours and watch every drill to confirm it. Because he knows Brian Hartline knows what's up. And by the way, they gave him the money and the title to prove it. So I, I think the evolution of a head coach is necessary. Everybody goes on their own timetable, right? You don't want to rush it. But I think it's interesting, as much as Ryan Day talked this offseason, Jim Knowles, head coach of the defense, all that kind of stuff. On the offensive side of the ball, it matters too. Now listen, would Ryan Day rather be dealing with NIL stuff? Or would he rather be at a camp watching quarterbacks and receivers yeah. and all that stuff? He'd rather be watching the camp, but he's also making $9.5 million a year in part because college football is a mess right now. And you've yeah. got to have a CEO who can figure out all the stuff. You've got to be a football genius and a people person and now a businessman. And you always had to have that part of it too. But guess what? The business side of it needs a little extra time right now because it's messy. So you've got to have 10 people that you trust on the football side to handle this because six hours at a camp on Monday and on Tuesday is not the best use of Ryan Day's time right now. So I think this is interesting that your your eyes are watching this, Stephen, and you're seeing the effects of this evolution Mm -hmm. in real time. And the test will be, does Ohio State keep rolling? Do they keep getting great recruits? Do they keep developing great players? And the answer should be yes, because that's what that's why you have the highest paid assistant coaches in the country, because they're paying the big guy and the 10 other guys. But it has to work this way. Otherwise, Ryan Day is going to wind up getting 90 minutes of sleep at night. You almost. During the season, he went on a soliloquy of I can't do my job if these other people don't do theirs. Um, There's a football element to it that I don't think we can just like pat him on the back and say, it's okay that the defense wasn't good last year. No, it's not. That's your fault too. You're the head coach. But I do think in the non-football space, watching him operate over these last three camps, I see where he's coming from. Because to the point, if Brian Hartline isn't good at evaluating and picking out who he likes, then Brian Day can't delegate his time to NIL stuff because now he's got to be over Brian Hartline's shoulder or Corey Dennis's shoulder. If he's got to be worried about whether or not they're recruiting good defensive players, it's the same thing. But instead, he can just let Jim Knowles handle that. I don't even think Ryan Day has like watched a defensive player outside of like competitive drills this yeah. entire time because he trusts the guys who are over there. So 
that when he goes on that soliloquy this year, because it's going to happen because, you know, that's how this works sometimes. I'll understand where he's coming from, from a non game day portion of like, I can't worry about this if I have to worry about what Mark Fantoni or Mick Marotti or Jim Knowles or anybody else in this program is doing. And he doesn't want to give up play calling. He doesn't yes. want to delegate on second and seven in the third mm-hmm. quarter of a tie game. But so then he has to delegate some other things. And by the way, yep. you know who else really matters in all this? Mark Fantoni. Mark Pantoni is looking at film. Mark Pantoni mm-hmm. is getting early evaluations on kids. Now, if they're eighth and ninth graders, it's hard to get an early evaluation. I don't know if Pantoni looks at peewee football film. We will ask him that. Yeah, if they're offering eighth graders, I think they are looking at peewee football film. Pantoni's like, God, this kid was a fourth <laughs> grader. Oh, my God. At recess, I saw him at recess. He was tearing it up. His jungle on the jungle gym, great upper body strength, a lot of flexibility. So Pantoni's got that. And again, you've heard those stories a lot of times. If you're an assistant, sometimes you don't want to have to fight the head coach too hard when you like a guy. It's you kind of like the the head coach, I think, needs to double check you. But if you're it's like, well, I'm going to coach the guy. I'm responsible for my room. Mm -hmm. So, like, don't don't make me fight too hard for the guys I believe in. Pantone can be an ally, I think, a lot of times, though, because if Pantone's Mm -hmm. backing that up and saying, hey, listen, this is this film. I've seen this. We think about this, the relationship, the development, this program. And that that's like a that's it's not a double check because it's operating on the same path. But Pantone and the position coaches could operate in concert and then together sort of present a thing to the head coach that's like, okay, Mm -hmm. go. And it just you you can't make that process too hard. I think you really frustrate assistants sometimes because they have to be empowered to get guys in the room in their room that they trust. Okay, we'll be back on the Thursday pod. We'll do rapid fire recruiting. We have some good stuff planned for the Friday pod. We're, I don't know. Are we're not exactly on commitment alert on anybody? Maybe the kid who got offered last week, who was the guy that earned the offer? They were jumping up and down. I mean, like, yeah, Jermaine Matthews. I think they're trying to set up an official visit with him right now. I, I think we can, you know, ever take your 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 foot completely off the gas because we're dealing with teenagers here. But I think we can relax a little bit until these official visits get going, and then. I think coming out of that June 24th weekend is when everybody should start perking up and putting notifications on for a bunch of kids because, and not just for Ohio state, just around the country, there seems yeah. to be this feeling that after June, it's going to get real because there's a lot of top 100 kids who were still on the board. Okay. We'll be back on Thursday with sort of more overall recruiting talk, not just focusing on the camps. Steven's been out there for all three so far. He'll be out there for the next three. I, I really think these eyeball reports, not just of what you think of the players, but the way they interact with each other, mm-hmm. the way they interact with coaches, what you learn about Ohio State assistance through their interaction with the players. Super valuable. I know the listeners have really been enjoying it. So thanks for spending all your time out there at the Woody the last two days, Steven. We'll be back Rapid Fire Recruiting on Thursday for now. For Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.